0: Hey, hello, ciao, bonjour, or nuit, depending on what time it is in your part of the world. Uh, This is Adam, and you're listening to Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. If you've engaged with the Boulder music scene as a fan, a musician, a sound person, a venue owner, anything uh, in the last 30 years, you probably know the wonderful Danny Schaefer. Danny is a prolific singer-songwriter and very busy performer. Uh, He also avoids the civilian life of a day job by booking bands at small venues in the front range and working as a house manager for bigger shows and, uh, chipping in and uh, any way he can. Um, Danny came by my office in Boulder to chat about his life and music and his new album phone booth, which was recorded. So lo-fi that you'll have to listen to our conversation to find out exactly how lo-fi, uh, one of danny's five albums is a springsteen album um and uh there's only one unfortunate thing about this album that i won't mention but that's that he wrote one of the songs for the ramones and it might have been <laughs> the ramones ticket to um you know a hit which they always wanted but Springsteen's springsteen's manager was like nah i don't think you're gonna give that song away um uh, Uh, The Springsteen album that Danny Schaefer chose also mentions a girl named Mary who got married at 17 in a working class town. So I'd like to give a shout out to my own Aunt Mary back in Pittsburgh. She can certainly identify with that song Uh, and she loves the boss as well. Um, All right, here's my conversation with the one and only Danny Schaefer after a few words from my favorite Boulder Catering company, Savory Cuisines. Savory's owner and operator, Bob Sargent, and I are currently on a quest to bike the 25 steepest roads in Boulder County. And that's been really fun. Um, Also, make sure to review Mile High Stash on Apple Podcasts sometime if you can. Uh, um, It really goes a long way, along with any donations you can make at mileh or on venmo via at Adam ice 9 and- Looking for a professional Boulder, Colorado catering company with an excellent reputation for service and food? Savory Cuisine's catering works to provide the very best catering services in the Boulder and Denver metro areas by consistently delivering superior service, extensive menus, and unforgettable events. They use only the freshest and most flavorful ingredients prepared and served by their experienced and professional staff, led by the one and only Bob Sargent. Your party, wedding, or corporate event will sparkle with Savory's wide array of appetizers, entrees, and desserts. With 20 years in business here in Boulder, with exceptional high-quality service, Savory is the ideal catering company for your next event. Head to SavoryCuisines.com for more info. Mr. Schaefer, you are from the Midwest.
1: I'm originally from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
0: moved out here in 90, summer of 90.
1: Yeah, when you were five years old. That, that, uh, that yeah, thing. I was 22 oh. years old okay. when I moved to Boulder, and I had a lot of raising to have, still have done.
0: Yeah.
1: I had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. yeah. Were you a deadhead? Uh, I had seen a bunch of dead shows, mm-hmm. and I think I identified as that at one point. Yeah. But by that time, I was so involved in my own music and trying yeah. to make that happen that I couldn't really go see other bands unless they were playing down the street. And they yeah. were of interest to me
0: and you, in a different way. If you moved out here when you were twenty, I'm guessing you weren't in college. Were, no,
1: I had dropped out of college yeah. a couple few years before. Mm, yeah, it was a good move too. I dropped out of college to tour with a bluegrass band.
0: Yeah, yeah, best decision I ever made. And that was a nascent sort of music in this area at the time. It, it you know, it was big in the, the in the southeast, but not in Colorado. Right, in ninety, right? Even less so in. Chicago, where I was playing yeah. with the guys. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So how did you get into bluegrass?
1: Uh, I could sing high, and yeah. uh, the band needed me, so they took me under their wings and taught me how to do it. Did you sing "Ruby"? Are you mad at your man? No, I never. I never it, sang that song. Because I could. I, you're <laughs> one of the
0: few people. Who you probably do sing high enough to sing that song.
1: Still, I can still get away with some of it. Yeah, yeah. I test myself on the Dio material.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On Dio, Ronnie Dio, <laughs> sure, of course, doesn't everybody? <laughs> the Man on the Silver Mountain, yeah, it's That's the, amazing. It's, it's
1: the Sabbath stuff that I really like. Dio with Sabbath, yeah, Sabbath well, with Dio.
0: There's that live album. I think it's called Live Evil or Evil Live or something. Oh, it's, and it's it's underrated. It's really good. It's yeah, it's very underrated yeah. because they jam on that record. They go off places. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah it's yeah. rare for Sabbath to do that. Man, I wonder if there's a Ronnie James Dio version of Ruby. Are you mad at your man? Because that, that would... <laughs> nothing would surprise me from Dio. So, the fact that you could sing high helped you get into bluegrass as a kid, as a
1: as a uh, college, as college student. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that was, was the, go ahead, please. What was the music around when you were a kid? When you were really young?
1: A lot of hard rock and heavy metal and uh, whatever was coming through the older guys in the neighborhood. Yeah. Now it wasn't really so much what was on the radio; it was being filtered through. Uh whatever older brothers were around or older yeah. older guys were around. How big is your family? I have there's three of three kids. Yeah. An, a younger brother and an older sister and I'm very lucky to have them. They're yeah. amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this city of Chicago or this is outside Chicago?
1: No, we're a city of Chicago yeah. people for sure. Yeah. My dad was a Chicago cop and wow, uh, I was raised with all this Chicago pride.
0: And what kind of a name is Schaefer? Is this Irish? German? German, okay. stubborn German name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was your family crazy into Chicago
1: sports? Oh, they were. Yeah, yeah we were from the northwest side, so uh, I was. That's Cubs, bro- right? I was, yeah, Cubs. Yeah. I was brought home with a Cubs hat. I'm sure from the hospital.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In Pittsburgh, now the babies that that are born um, are often wrapped instead of a blanket. They wrap them in a terrible towel, which is this Steelers like rally towel. You know, So I think uh, uh, Chicago and, and Pittsburgh have that crazy civic um, um, entanglement. The sports and the city are like the same thing. I think the difference is that um, for, I don't know, 100 years, people loved the Cubs and would continue religiously going to the game whether or not they won. And I think with Pittsburgh, it's like, no, we're not going to we're not going to go to the games anymore if they're if they suck. You know? In Chicago, it was a long-standing tradition
1: to go there were only day games. Right. Right. So people would blow off work and get out of work early yeah. or say they're going to the game and go to the game and just hang out. Yeah. So it was, it was not crowded when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But people went. Yeah. That just reminded me of like Ferris Bueller's day off when he's mm-hmm. at the
1: game. Yeah, the the rich kids take a day off. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) It's very suspicious. When did you get into songwriting?
1: I started writing songs as soon as the day after somebody handed me a guitar to take home. And when was that? I think it was uh, the summer before seventh grade. Oh, wow. Yeah, as soon as someone handed me a guitar, I felt like I was supposed to express myself with words with a guitar.
0: You remember your first song? I do some of it. How's it go? Mm, am not, not going there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one needs to go there like that. Uh, I I really wanted to be a great guitar player at one point, but mm. writing songs always took me away from
0: studying. Yeah,
1: writing songs is more important it still is. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And who were you going off of like who were your influences in the in the 7th grade? Uh Michael Shanker
1: Wow Wow Uh Uh Neil Uh Alex Lifeson Neil Sean Uh Yeah Neil Sean Yeah 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 he's a great guitar player Yeah Yeah Journey was the first band I ever saw live
0: But as far as songwriting, You weren't going off Alex Lifeson
1: No No I uh I was raised with a lot of country music in the car Mm. And 70's country music was so brilliant Mm. And And uh weird sometimes. Yeah. And uh song songwriting hearing the words to songs always felt natural to me. Hmm. You know, listening to what they were saying and maybe it is to everybody, but I remember that ever since I can remember anything.
0: Yeah. And when you started writing songs, mm-hmm. when did that up lead into performing?
1: Uh I started performing when I was about when I was 16 years old. Mm. I had my first weekly gig at the Happy Days Bar and Grill in Chicago. Nice. And I think it was $25 a week. I'd play for the old guys at the bar and my mom would drive me there and drive <laughs> me home. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think it only lasted a month and a half.
0: Yeah. But that's a great experience to have at 16. It
1: was a great experience. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. And then, were you in bands after that in high school?
1: I was in bands the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was always putting together a band or two,
0: hmm. all kinds of bands. We played a
1: lot of original material. Those bands it was a good, it was a school. Did you make any records at that age? No, no, not all. No, there wasn't the capability to do that. Right. Studios were expensive. We had nothing. That's the best part about the scene then. We had we had nothing, and we were putting together guitars and amps hmm. and. Going down in the basement and just trying anything.
0: It was great when someone had a four track. It was like, wow,
1: we could work with this. I don't think four tracks were available
0: in 1981. Yeah, maybe not. I was in high school in the late 90s, and that was that was a cool thing to work with. Yeah, you know? it definitely was.
1: I uh, I I don't think I could afford one even when <laughs> I was in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So you end up um, in Colorado after dropping out of, of college. Which, which college was it?
1: I went to Northeastern Illinois University. You didn't like it?
0: Oh, I liked it a lot. I, I had a
1: decent college. I had a really good college experience. Three years, good grades. Fourth year, I opened up a book and couldn't retain any of the information. Hmm. So uh, I just left. And you went to Boulder first? I uh, came out. I came out here with the bluegrass band, mm-hmm. and we were just playing all over the place. What band was that? What was it called? It was a band called Geezer Junction. Geezer Junction. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, and we were we were going out trying to get gigs, and we were also playing the streets all over the place. Yeah. And making money to travel. It was a that that was. We came to Boulder, and then we went home. Band broke up, hmm. and I headed back to Boulder. Well. <clears throat> And where was there to play in Boulder at the time? Two Loggies? We didn't play in Boulder. We just played the streets in Boulder. Just the streets? were yeah. Just busking? We could busk very well. Mm. Three-part harmonies, the whole works. Yeah. Play all the old and in the way stuff and the new rioters stuff yeah. and some traditional material. The guys that I was were playing with were very talented.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I had a lot of foundation to sit upon.
0: So what happened when you came back by yourself? Uh... <clears throat> I
1: came back and boy, I had nothing. I hitchhiked into Boulder with ninety dollars and a guitar. Nice. So I, I started from scratch and found a place to live and found some work and put it all together and uh, slowly, slowly uh, started playing gigs. And then in uh, January of ninety one, I was given the job r- almost randomly, booking Penny Lane Coffee House. Yeah. And that was my first booking position
0: did you book Nirvana
1: no that was two years before I yeah, started yeah. booking. yeah for Penny Lane
0: <laughs> I wish I had been able to experience Penny Lane because I moved here in 2008 and it was like a couple years after it closed right
1: I think they closed in 2004 or 2005 I can't
0: really exactly know the date yeah. and there were two locations right yeah I worked at both of them one on the hill and one where full cycle was um, but then there was two Loggies, and then the Fox opened in what, 94, 92?
1: I think it was in 92.
0: So and But there was, there was, there was McCabe's and
1: yeah. uh, a couple other places to play, but not, not many, not many right. places.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you played at the Gold Hill Inn?
1: 93, maybe? Yeah. Maybe 92. I can't, somewhere around there.
0: And w- what artists... Were around then that you were close with. Who are still around? Leftover,
1: leftover was around. They uh, they had a pretty big following. They were starting to play theaters at yeah, that point. Yeah. uh <clears throat> I really there was a band called the Poison Squirrels that I loved. They were the first band I saw in Boulder. Baldo Rex was around. Yeah, Ted I loved them. Yeah, they're continued to be one of my favorite Boulder bands yeah. ever.
0: They get so much love. Anybody who was around at that time, or even a little later, like Nick from um uh, when I interviewed him, he was just like, we were pretty good, but Baldo Rex, they were amazing. Yeah, it kind of gives yeah. me chills talking about them. Their
1: songs were great. Yeah. They were funny. They were talented. The band was tight. Yeah.
0: they. <clears throat> I had some amazing experiences watching Baldo Rex play. It's hard to put that sort of insane energy on a record.
1: They you did know. a pretty good job at yeah. it. Yeah. Their, their, their
0: cassette tapes right. back then
1: were pretty good. Yeah. And also uh, the Regers were great, which was Nick from Devochka's earlier yeah, yeah, yeah. band. I really liked them a lot, too. Slim was around, too. Slim was around. I saw some of the early Slim gigs. Yeah. He was
0: well, in a band called um, <laughs> Blood Flower.
1: I remember that band, mm-hmm. but I never saw them play.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I saw an early, I did see an early slim gig opening up for the Bad Livers at the Fox.
0: So, 90 is the year that you end up here, move back to Cho- Chicago, and then come back here. But have you moved away since then, or have you always been here? I've always been here. Yeah. So, what was it that made you say, this is it for me?
1: Boulder's boulder in this area has been very very good to me. Yeah. And at you, some point you've been good to it that I think that's some of it. Yeah. You know, at some point I I believe a person the place is so good to a person that they either got to they either got to start giving back or leave. Mm. <laughs> it just gets embarrassing after that. I I hope I hope cuz it shouldn't be any other way. Uh Yeah. The local, the local scene here has always, always given me work, something to do, mm. uh, a way to be present. Connor O'Neill's. <clears throat> yeah, Connor O'Neill's. How I, long did that go on? Uh, I hosted their open stage for 16 years. 16 years. <laughs> Fuck, yeah.
0: man. We used to play there with the yoppers, and it would be completely packed. Insanity. And we were always like, that was a blast. But should we do it again? Because even though it was such a great night and everybody was dancing and wasted and going crazy, nobody remembered who the band was that played. They were all just just like young <laughs> drunk people. And the next day, they would be like, "Oh, I guess I went to a show last night." Like it wasn't like good for your career, <laughs> but it was. But it was fun. I booked you there. I booked the operas there. I believe. Yeah, a uh, lot of
1: Thursday nights. Yeah, totally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah and i'm sure gas
1: pops had a lot of nights there yeah back in the day they did they did yeah yeah that was it was fun that was a college bar with a lot of locals in it also so yeah. it's a very special yeah. place yeah
0: mm-hmm. um, some people um stay in a place for a long time and don't actually put much into it and don't really find a community don't become a part of the community and then years and years later you'll see them and they're all jaded they're like I didn't make it or whatever and they're and they're unhappy but they didn't become a part of the community the the way that you do you're not just out to promote your own stuff you know like you show up at other people's stuff and um, um, uh, you support um other people, whether it's through booking or probably through honesty, too. Like, hey, this isn't good enough yet. Shit like that. I think that's been a lot
1: of good fortune for me and some luck also to be a part of this scene the way I've been able to. Yeah. It supported me a lot. It supported me the whole time. A lot is, is the truth because it's been the whole time. Mm-hmm. I've uh, put a lot of time into it, but I... I Boulder in the Area has always been a scene that's been a little s a little bit of a struggle and a lot of good stuff, but it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. There's new bands. All, you know, a scene a scene is created from the bottom up, not mm-hmm. the top not the top. It's not yeah, the guy local totally. guys who are selling out stadiums that are creating the scene. Right. It's those guys that are. I love. What I love is there's always a new band. Yeah. Kind of. I'd like to. Say, I almost tempted to say less these days, but it's not true.
0: Mm. I mean, a lot of the bands that are the biggest in Boulder right now don't play in Boulder much. Like uh, the Velveteers or Gregory Allen Isakov, something like that. Those are people who live here, but they're not necessarily the this, this scene. Like you're saying, the scene is is um, in my mind like a mid-sized venue the size of the High Dive like um, or the way that um um Shugs it was the B-side and it was Trilogy and it was Shugs now it's the beer garden and they don't really have live music anymore but a venue that size is really w- what makes a scene mm-hmm. in my eyes the stepping stones yeah. makes a
1: scene and boulders Boulder struggles with that struggled with that for yeah. a
0: lot of years if there's nothing in between the Go coffee house and the fox then you' there's there's not like a like a way to grow and so then you're not going to have these experiences of seeing a band like the Yoppers or the gas Pops when they're hungry and they're really good and the small venue is packed with a few hundred people and they get too big and they have to go somewhere else but a lot of bands, that's the best time in their history to see them is when they're just hungry and exploding.
1: Oh, you know. Without a doubt. But also, yeah. the guys that want to do it, they won't let anything stop them. Yeah. The yeah. people that want to do it won't let anything yeah. stop them. A mid sized venue is not going to yeah. stop them yeah. from playing their music. Yeah. yeah. And I believe in that, though. Mm. I wish it was another way. Yeah. But who's going to stop a person with a guitar and a band yeah. from
0: doing what they want to do if well, they really feel like it? I guess what I'm getting at is there are people who stop a sized venue from happening. <laughs> that's more. <laughs> there are people who try to put the kibosh on that, but that's yeah. a whole other well, whole other
1: topic. That, that that that's that's raw politics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that that that's that's tough in Boulder. Yeah. I. I don't I don't really... I don't play a part in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember when uh, Shug's closed, and that guy was only open for about a year, um, you know. And, um, and the operas, we were like the house band. I think we played there 12 or 13 times. And we went from bringing uh, 20 people, you know, to bringing, um, I guess, almost 300, because then they had to, like, turn people away. And that place closed and the owner allegedly had never paid rent. <laughs> wow. It was that's uh, one way to make a yeah. few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> the the rent was uh allegedly uh $17,000 a month. Wow. Plus triple net expenses, which I don't know what that means. And so that was when they closed. It was early 2012. And um, the beer garden, this is very nerdy Boulder history for anybody listening. You can fast forward. <laughs> but but um, uh, uh, the beer garden opened, and I remember the owner saying to me, every place that's ever been in here has failed monetarily, failed to stay open because they've always tried to be a music venue and a bar restaurant. And he said, we're going to be a bar restaurant. Guess what? They're still open 11 years later. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: A lot of the places that are restaurants with music mm-hmm. seem to last a lot longer. Yeah. The Mountain
0: Sun. They're not selling tickets. They're not trying to be a music venue.
1: Yeah, the Mountain yeah. Sun. Yeah. Conor O'Neill's, it, w- it was both ways. It was kind of split right down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But those, those gigs are gritty, too. Like yeah. Conor O'Neill's was gritty. You had, to, you, have to, you had to bring in your own sound system. It yeah. was a lot of work. You had yeah. to hustle. Sure, he,
0: got paid a little bit of something. Yeah. And had a good time. But You also had to be good. I remember the place would be packed with young people who wanted to have a rowdy ass night. So it's like, you better bring it. You better be pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. If you're going yeah, up in front yeah. of people that want to have a good time yeah. that don't know you, you gotta hit it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That 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 separates a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm, all, I'm in on that.
0: I mean,
1: yeah. you know, I've played that game. What am I doing? Am I trying to fake it? Am I not trying mm-hmm. to fake it? You know, everyone goes, I think almost everybody goes through that phase.
0: Yeah. Well, you also have a very famous attitude that, that uh, me and Clay sometimes quote on stage. We'll say, let's give these people exactly what we want.
1: <laughs> yeah and I've done that a lot of times which I'm proud of but there's also times when I I I have to work yeah and I have to go out there and I have to show up and do my job and go home and that's yeah. it yeah and you know whether I've had a career or not is completely debatable
0: no it's not <laughs> it depends how you de- define career you it know. is so I mean, I you've may- had a career in music you're were- a that's a music career.
1: I, I've, I've made yeah. a living off of some sort of yeah. music for a long time. Yeah. The sacrifices are you can you can see them from a mile away. Sometimes I can yeah. see them from yeah. a mile away, but that doesn't really bother me so much. Mm-hmm. I figure if you're going to go through all the all the stuff and all the things that regular life brings, like. Fear and anxiety and divorce and mm. taxes and all that shit. Yeah. Well, you might as well do it in a good scene in a place that's beautiful. Yeah, sure is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Boulder is Boulder is a weird place. There's nothing wrong with safe and clean. But I'm half coming less safe, safe and clean. It, that's what I hear. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's you know. It's I feel so safe here. But I'm not, I, I, I'm a, I'm a part of the society that doesn't really have to worry about that very much. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm, a male walking around right, with, right, right. you know, i and so, Boulder's. Boulder's always been the land of positives and negatives, mm. balancing act. Yeah. It sure is
0: expensive now, too. It is. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you about this new album after you give me, like, two of your five albums that you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse.
1: I can easily go to a remote cabin mm. after the zombie apocalypse. Mm. I I have lived that way. Maybe not completely remote. Yeah. But I've I've lived in the shack in the hills mm. and those those are good times in my life. And uh my first the first record I would pick would be Warren Zevon's self-titled record.
0: Does that start with Frank and Jesse James? It does. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Hasten Down the Wind. Yeah. Uh, well, there's so many great songs on that record. It's just yeah. dark and brilliant, and, and the playing is, am- is amazing.
0: Carmelita, hold me I think I'm sinking
1: That record changed the way I wrote songs for about for two years.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it changed the way a lot of people were writing songs because that's a record that I mean I wasn't alive at the time, but um, I can imagine that uh, people were writing songs in one way, and then you would hear Warren Zevon and say, "Oh shit, I got to go back to work."
1: <laughs> like <laughs> I listened to nothing but Warren Zevon for. Six months at one yeah. point. Nothing else sounded right. Yeah. Even my dog is named Yvonne Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that one. Do you have this record on vinyl? Oh yeah, I think I might have more okay. than one copy. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't That's... surprise me. Yeah. Also, the
1: second one would be UFO Lights Out. This is Michael Shanker. Yeah, Michael about. Shank. One of Michael Shanker's groups. Yeah. The groups. Group he played with in the seventies.
0: So you still listen to some like like heavy music? Uh,
1: not so much anymore. And UFO isn't necessarily completely heavy. It's right. it's a hard rock melodic yeah. song band, uh, but they continue to be one of my top ten bands of all time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And why is that? What does it? What does it do to you? Uh, it's it's part of my roots. I like the songs. Michael Schenker's guitar playing is brilliant and melodic and strong and hmm. clear. And ideas are amazing. The the rhythm section totally kicks ass Mm -hmm. on live albums and everything. Andy Parker and Pete Way, they're they're amazing.
0: Now is Michael Schenker's brother in the Scorpions? He is. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you like Michael? Michael's. Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't care for the Scorpions. That guy's voice bugs me. You don't like uh, (laughs) Rocky like a hurricane? Not into that.
1: I can't imagine anybody that it does, <laughs> I that, think I think I had a moment where blackout was cool when I was in eighth grade or something like that,
0: but Scorpions had some intense album
1: covers. I don't know if they would fly today,
0: but there was
1: a there was uh, a moment yeah, like in yeah. trance where Yuli Roth was in the band, yeah, who was I think also one of the great uh heavy melodic guitar players of all time.
0: I'm surprised that you're into this stuff i you know I thought you were a singer songwriter slash bluegrass guy you know? yeah I have
1: my bands that I that I really like that are like that I can I can tend sort toward, tend towards some of the maiden stuff and yeah. uh uh that Black Sabbath stuff either with Ozzy but more more with Dio yeah.
0: I really like the Dio stuff uh uh yeah I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast that other humans listen to but um I was arrested when I was uh I don't know 14 or 15 for pot and when they took me to the station because they they took my buddy in in another car so i was Mm -hmm. in the back of this cruiser and i'll never forget the man on the silver mountain was was like blasting in this guy's uh cop car in Pittsburgh, so every time I hear that that song, I'm like, "Oh man, that reminds me of being in the back of a cop car.
1: What station was he <laughs> listening to? Did he have a cassette tape? Well, right, I guess there's right, so right. many
0: questions to be answered. Oh, I guarantee you it was w d v e which is probably if you know if we went to Pittsburgh right now and turned the radio on that there's a pretty good chance that song would be on. Wow, yeah. <laughs> there's stations like that, but yeah. they're mostly in Iowa, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this new album is called Telephone Booth, and what number is it for you? How many Danny Schaefer studio albums are, are there?
1: Yeah, the record's called Just Phone Booth.
0: Phone Booth, not Telephone mm-hmm. Booth. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, how many records is this? I think this might be the eighth. Kind of, I've lost count.
0: When was the last time you made a record with, um, like, as a band, and not?
1: Well, I recorded an album with my band, the Twenty First Century. In 2010 or 11. Yeah. But the album still had my name on it. It was just yeah, Danny yeah, Schaefer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With a band. I don't know if I've ever. Uh, 98, 97?
0: What was the band that Johnny was in? He was in The Unknown Americans. The Unknown Americans. Yeah, that band was a hard working. He tells me that. He's like, yeah. man, when I work with Danny Schaefer, we're talking about <laughs> John Mauser of Gasoline Lollipops. um uh, uh, he tells me that you know working with you was, was like being in the army and it was like musically like he just he had to bring
1: it you know Johnny is amazing and that band was a very hard working pretty hardcore Americana band mm. I mean we were dirty mm. and hard working and we come out of the van like it was nobody's business yeah. what we were doing except to play music yeah in our old clothes, ripped up clothes, not looking good, ready to walk into mm-hmm. a bar and kill. Yeah. Whether we did every night is, is uh, you know, we have our on nights and off nights. But Johnny was amazing. I'd go, I, there's some nights where I'd say, I'm going to try to wear Johnny out.
0: Yeah.
1: I yeah. never could. Never could wear that guy out. But he, uh, it caused me to have a very high energy show trying to do it. And yeah. I, I like yeah. that challenge. It felt like I was swimming across the English Channel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he can swing like a motherfucker. He's, uh, he has an element up to his, his drumming that you can't teach. He has this swinging country vibe mm-hmm. that's amazing. He's a
1: great drummer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so the new album, Phone Booth. Um, you're, you're saying you think this is your eighth studio album. Is all, is all of your material available somewhere, streaming? It- most of it. Most of it.
1: Most of it. And some of it's streaming. Uh, there's, I think I probably appreciate two and a half records that I've done. Yeah. Rather than the whole eight lot. Yeah. There's uh, that, but that's me. I mean, other people might like completely different stuff that I've done. Yeah. Uh, that's not up to me. Me, I'm comfortable with about two and a half records. And Phone Booth is really, I call it a mini record. Mm. I don't feel like it's an EP. I don't really understand EPs. Mm. Uh I call it a mini record uh there's six songs on it mm. and uh it's been very warmly received, so I'm happy about
0: it and what would you say the um i mean I know I think, but what would you say the subject matter is it's a it's it's
1: a uh it's a songwriter record, yeah, and the subject matter is all over the place uh the thing about this record is it's six songs 11 minutes and 17 seconds yeah yeah yeah. I felt like I broke a songwriter code by doing it mm. I could, when I put it all together and, and realized it was that short I just sat back and like I felt like I won <laughs> uh cause all, I feel like all the songs are legit and say something and get and are finished yeah and that's been a that's I've been writing shorter and shorter songs mm. and I'm not gonna fight it just because to make them longer uh, uh. My last record was recorded for Octave Records, mm-hmm. and it was done very high audio. So this was a chance to turn around and record something that was more lo-fi and not trying to—just doing it my own way and making it uh, available. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, The way music is put out right now is—, is uh, sort of the way I always hoped it would be uh for the small guys. I can put out a record tomorrow if I feel like it. Right. And nobody's gonna say something there may not be a lot of people that listen to it, but I wanna put out what I want to put out. Mm. This song I haven't only fifteen people or less know. And this is this is this is the fun part. I recorded this record completely on my phone on voice memo at in my house. Just the red button. The red button? Yeah. I'd get a take, and then I'd move on. I'd go back and listen to it. Maybe I re-recorded two of the songs and waited for a better take. Not a single knob, EQ, master, or anything was touched on this. I didn't touch anything. And, and then I put it out. And I think that's... And, and the fact that it's 11 minutes and 17 seconds is a whole twist... And I felt like i feel like uh of so much freedom in that mm. I, mean, I they i've heard that the microphones on on phones are better than they better than people think yeah, and
0: uh I like the record I'm proud of it I think it's great thanks it's it's it's, it's really um it's got it's got a road trip vibe to it. And it's got a vibe of someone who has been on a bunch of road trips, you know, um, singing about um, uh, some of it m- makes me happy because I know you, you're a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you're excited about life, Mm-hmm. you know? There's, there's, a,
1: th- there's some songs that reach into a, a darker place. I mm-hmm. Believe in You is uh, about having a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. things like that, uh, and having somebody believe in you, even though you're... Totally at the bottom yeah uh but i i I feel like i i it was a party trick almost mm-hmm. to record it on the phone and put it out and not tell anybody nobody I've never spoken about it publicly until now, yeah, yeah. uh and I love that. I wish I could have done that in ninety one yeah, now I can do it,
0: well, like you were saying before, there was uh, there were gatekeepers in the past that at that time, if you wanted to make a record. You, you would go to a studio and, you know, book time and, and think, oh, maybe if we um, either convince somebody or if we raise all this money, we'd have the, the ability to make a record. And now if you have a laptop or an iPad or even just a phone, you just press record and at least make at least make demos. I mean, there was a time when in order to make a demo, you had to raise a lot of money. You know? Yeah.
1: I, I wasn't trying to fight the big guys. The yeah. guys don't care. Yeah. So I was gonna do it I wanna do it my way and I wanna put out record I wanna put out a record. And there it is. I like I'm I'm fond of the name Phone Booth. Yeah. Uh it says a lot about how I did it. Uh and I think it was a surprise to people that all of a sudden I had a new project out. I yeah. only released yeah. it on SoundCloud. Yeah. So it's free, you can download it.
0: It's it's there under Danny Schaefer. Are you going to put it up on the the other streaming services?
1: I'm not I don't think I am and I don't think I can. Why? The files are too small. You can, uh, <laughs> I could have them boosted up or bring them to another studio or do it, but that's not the point of this yeah, record. Yeah. If it if it become, if it becomes lost in in the mishmash of all the other albums in the world. I think that's probably gonna happen anyhow in six months. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean I still I every time I put out a record it gives me a little bit of a boost. Yeah. And I get a yeah, couple yeah. nice gigs. Yeah. And I can go out and keep on playing the gigs I am and work it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. And then I go back go back and I start recording something else. I've been r i have been write songs I've been writing songs constantly for a long time. Uh, I'm not gonna run out. But these are all new songs. How many songs do you think you've written in your life? I don't want to sound pretentious or uh, uh, like I'm exaggerating. I don't know. 500? 500? I think I could probably sit down and play parts of about 150. Yeah, I would think. And I think I'm, only, I think I'm proud of I think I, when well, I would say proud. I think I could live with maybe I'd like to think 80 of them,, yeah. but I'd start counting down. There's something to a lot of the songs, but there might be a line here, a line there. Yeah. But you know, you write, so I, you write songs to learn how to write songs. That's the way it goes. No matter how long you've been doing it.
0: I'm thinking. Danny Shaver box set. People have brought up yeah. the idea. Uh,
1: <laughs> I like, I like the idea of putting out a record. I. I <laughs> Of old stuff that I've never recorded, or
0: uh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, I feel like the next record is going to be called something like uh, "I Did It Again" and still nobody cares, (laughs) something like that. And I don't think that's necessarily true, uh, but the point is, is that I, I I am less concerned about who's listening. Yeah, I just want to put out the music and make it available to people. And what a relief that is. There was times in my life where I was fighting to have everybody listen and people were listening and I had a little bit of a bump and there was there was a little bit of a name out there. That was a lot of pressure and, and uh, there was times where it was slowly killing me. I was working so hard it was killing me. Mm-hmm. And for about, for 10 years, uh, for 15 years I was on the road pretty hard. Uh, and for 10 years or so I was doing 275 gigs a year. And... I was coming home. I didn't I didn't know how to exist anymore without doing it. Hmm. And now I do. Life music is different for me. Life is different for me. I want to be around the people I love and write songs and put out records however I feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I've earned
0: anything, that's it. Well, you're a, you're a role model for me in that way Thanks. because I'd really someday I'd like to kind of simplify and, and not I feel like I I have to go a million miles an hour and prove my worth every single day and and do a a million things, but, you know, kind of slow down and focus on uh, the people I love who love me and and, and, uh, the passions that are um, the most rewarding, you know. It looks like you're doing
1: that to me, uh, but you, you're living inside yeah. your own your own life, yeah, yeah. and it seems like you're doing that very well. To, from where I'm standing, I just I just love the feeling of being in the kitchen and making a bunch of food and handing yeah. it over the counter to the people that I love,
0: mm. uh,
1: and then and what eating last, eating last, eating yeah. last, going yeah. all right. I'm just cleaning up a little bit. Yeah. How's the food? That that's. This is the best living I could do. Hmm. Yeah. These days.
0: Okay, give me your albums 3 and 4.
1: Albums 3 and 4. Uh Lou Reed's Coney Island Baby. Oh yeah, why that one? Ah, oh, it's such a cool record. The band totally kicks ass. The bass playing is so cool. He's playing with a pick it sounds like most of the time. The songs are so good. Charlie's Girl and hmm. uh some of those other songs are just crazy feeling. It's a summer record. Mm. I think. It's a summer record to me.
0: And all those older guys, they said that he was mean and cruel, but you know, will want to play football for the coach. They said I was losing little too lightweight to
1: play linebacker, so I'm playing right in. I want to play football for the coach. Uh, and it's, I don't know, it's, it, it it's, it's but it still has this weird Lou Reed kind of uh changing Lou Reed. It's kind of in that middle zone where he was just about to start changing big. Yeah. And putting yeah. out the records like New York and all that stuff. Is that the name of the record? I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I I just think Coney Island Baby is a masterpiece. Love that record. It's poppy. It's I can't remember the what the song is, but I want to play yeah. for the coach. It's so weird.
0: It's such a weird song. Yeah. Well, anybody who hasn't heard that, we'll put that on the the, the my last Yeah, Spotify. Playlist. Coney Island Baby. Yeah. Uh,
1: the next one is Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young. Deja Vu. Such a big influence on me. I learned how to sing harmony with those guys. You know, listening to those guys. Uh, also, uh, on it's that record's cheating in some ways. You get a little bit of Stills, a little bit of Nash, yeah. a little bit of Young, a little bit of. Uh, David
0: Crosby Get a little bit of everybody So is that why You still have long hair Because of Almost cut my hair
1: uh, You know That's the only That's the one song On the record That I think is dated Yeah yeah. And I kind of go Skip a little bit mm-hmm. I, I I've always had long hair yeah. I don't even I don't even think About it anymore It's not When was the last time You cut your hair I think that I uh, I've had Probably since I was 16 Or something like that mm. Yeah Wow. Yeah. Damn. Just just a long-haired guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So in 8 studio albums, what have you learned about songwriting? Trust the song. Yeah. Trust the song,
1: trust your voice. Try to be yourself. There's a lot of records I wasn't trying to be myself. I was trying to be mm. somebody else. Some of those records I was searching for who I was, so it was all fair and square. Yeah. But some of those records I had a good idea who I was and I was still reaching outside the box.
0: Yeah.
1: And that that is that is what it takes, but it's also a little embarrassing mm. to go back and listen to those records and hear me reaching so hard. Uh uh the one way to like your old the record you put out last is to put out another one.
0: Yeah.
1: I start when I put out a new record. I look back at the last record and I go, "Oh, I like this record. I like that record now." Get a little bit farther away from it. Uh, tr- trusting my trusting the song is 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 the really big one that I feel like I've been able to do more and more. Hmm. Let the song do the work. Yeah, yeah. It's all sitting there. It's not. It's not that difficult. You know.
0: Do you have entire songs? pop up in, in your head like in the middle of the day or like a lot A lot of people um, when you're just coming out of a dream and waking up you'll get almost an entire song I don't know if that's ever happened to me uh, out of a dream but
1: songs come very quickly sometimes yeah you know some of the world's greatest songs were lost because the phone rang yeah or someone yeah. showed up at the door and uh
0: or you didn't have a notebook or a tape recorder there.
1: Yeah, and you just can't go back to it. Mm. As time goes on, I'm able to remember those themes a little bit better. Yeah, and able to stay in it and be able to stash this feeling and come back to it. Yeah, uh, there's it's a great joy to sit down with a pen and look at a piece of paper and start organizing it and see it fall together. Mm. A lot of practice goes into that. Some there's, there's you know some of it is. Uh, some people it's really natural with, but I just worked at it and worked at it and worked at it like that. Like I had nothing else to do.
0: Have you ever taught songwriting?
1: I don't know if that's possible. Some guys are able to do it, but yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't teach it at all. I also think that if someone wants to learn, nothing's going to keep them away from it. Mm. And and me opening my big mouth telling them how to do it isn't really going to yeah. work I like talking about songs with people that's, that's in a way it's, it's sharing and, and teaching but you know I, I, I learn from other songwriters and with songwriters I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know who my peers are it's the guy who shows up to an open stage that writes a kick ass song mm. or somebody that has sold a bunch of songs and has had massive success I mean, we're all songwriters. There's no difference in what we're doing.
0: Yeah,
1: You're sitting down, you're writing a song. Guys have to sit down and write a freaking song. Yeah. Yeah. With a pen and paper and a goddamn guitar or a mandolin or a piano. It's not fancy. I call it, it's like the ultimate party trick for me. (laughs) (laughs) That you can knock them out, that it's come out? Not that I can knock them out, but this is like, oh, look what I did. This is kind of fun. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes sometimes I lo- some, sometimes they stay and sometimes they don't the ones that aren't uh, the ones that fade away it's naturally that they fade away and the ones that stay are
0: the keepers if someone had never heard Danny Schaefer uh, what song would you say this this is me that's a
1: that's a really tough question to ask uh, there's a couple songs on elephant cage that 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 Say a lot about my songwriting. Yeah. Living in the Elephant Cage, the title song of that record, uh, I'm. I like uh, Safe by Me. I really, I really, uh, I think I got down to some business on that on that song. Uh, there's a song called Farming so Farming that was recorded on a record in '91. It's also the first song I wrote in Boulder that I've been playing again. That I that I uh, get something up. Wherever you are, I'd probably point them towards that song.
0: Yeah,
1: That'd be my number one choice now that I start thinking about it heavily. That's the name of a record, too. name of a record that came out in 2011,
0: maybe. What has this, this uh, new relationship with a, a lovely Northern California woman? What is that What effect has that had on your songwriting?
1: I don't talk about music as much as I used to, and I don't bring it home necessarily. Yeah. there's so much other life to have. Oh, I play around the house sometimes, but not a lot. Yeah, I like I kind of I keep it more out of my of, of my home mm. and my relationship. It's I, I find it boring to talk to talk about around yeah. those
0: people. Yeah, I don't
1: know. It's just it's it's what I go out and do. Yeah. yeah. Uh they might be more interested than I think, but mm. I don't find it necessary. What has it done? Yeah. Uh it's it's once again taught me how to keep it real and that uh what I do has has uh some worth if it has integrity.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Keep, you know, trying to work towards integrity in my yeah. in my personal life and in my music life. Yeah. It's very, uh, I'm very aware of that with my uh, with my close relationships these days.
0: Do you write explicitly about your uh, personal relationships in your songs, or are more obliquely? Uh, uh,
1: not really. I don't. I, they're oblique. Yeah, they're oblique. I try to make them oblique. Mm. Sometimes I write a song that's very affectionate, leaning towards a person, and there's no person. Mm-hmm. You know, I carry, you all carry love in our heart and all those hopes and dreams and mm-hmm. romantic notions. Why not write into them? Yeah. I always see somebody on the street and they're having dinner with somebody or. They're opening. They're opening the door in the car. Or they're or they're yelling goodbye to someone as they're walking away. Those are all moments that that are worth catching,
0: and writing about. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, your fifth and, and final album in your Zombie Cabin,
1: Bruce Springsteen, The River. The River. Why the River? <clears throat> it's just such a cool rock and I think it's I think it's the greatest rock and roll album ever recorded. Wow. In my eyes, wow, it's just such a badass, straightforward, clean rock and roll record. Mm-hmm. I also think it would sound ridiculous after the after the Armageddon apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. I think just something about it, you know, out on the street. Mm-hmm. I, but I know I'd want it. Yeah, <clears throat> Independence Day, the rivers on it, yeah. but also. Uh, I can't remember exactly the name of songs. I'm going to marry you. I have a crush on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Crush on you. I mean, those songs are going to sound stupid. At
0: None that of those point. things would matter when you're just trying not to get eaten.
1: <laughs> yeah, <that'd be>. uh, <laughs> but I love I love the river. And yeah, Sp- I'm a I'm a huge Springsteen fan, so I got to have Springsteen.
0: Max Weinberg has said that that was the album where um, he and the rest of the band, you know, but specifically he. Uh, you know, became good in the studio that he was always a good live drummer, you know. But in the studio, I was just like, Oh, this is just something that we do, let's have fun. And the river was, um, when they really uh, uh, honed it in. And uh, it's amazing, you know, to think that Max Weinberg was ever not amazing. But right, I was listening to this interview with him, and he was he was pointing out how i on Badlands. He's like, I can't listen to Badlands because back then I'm, I used to drag. And you listen to the wow, this second chorus, and he's right. It slows down just for for like one measure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. Those moments, those yeah. moments in the studio, you live with forever. Well, sometimes you forget them, but a lot of a lot of them you live with forever.
0: Yeah, but listen to like honky tonk women. It goes almost double time at the end because they're so excited. It just keeps I, faster, I, I like faster. that. Yeah,
1: I like that, and I think that I think that's completely reasonable. I played to a click track a lot in, in my life.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, <clears throat> my last two records weren't recorded with a click track.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, one of them was with a kick-ass band, and they didn't need one.
0: Yeah,
1: I didn't feel they needed one. I wanted it all sound natural. Phone booth, the idea of a click track <laughs> uh, uh, while coffee was brewing in the background right. wasn't necessary. I mean, I practically turned a fan on in the background right. during the recording of Phone Booth. It was it, I wanted it to sound like uh, the trying was enough.
0: Yeah, the trying was enough. Mm-hmm. There are two albums that it makes me think of, and one is what I was saying the other day. Neil Young, uh, maybe 10 years ago, went to Jack White's whole compound in Nashville and went into a, a, maybe a 70 80 year old uh, vinyl instant vinyl recording booth that they used to have at like amusement parks and he recorded an, an entire album in that and, and and released it You know, but also when The Clash was making London Calling their record label was really upset that their second album hadn't really sold and it wasn't that great and uh they rented like a a warehouse and they just had this one room and they were workshopping and 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 they had a tape recorder with like one mic you know just just for demos and they liked it so much that they gave it to CBS records and they said like this is it and they were like oh we like this you should go to New York City and do all this and make this Album, and they were like, no, 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 like, this is it, we want to put this out. And and they fought over that and, and didn't win the fight. But Ooh, didn't know that. <laughs> so, London Calling is an actual produced record with uh, oh, I'm spacing on what the producer's name is, but um, I'm maybe 10 years ago, uh, um, uh, uh, those demos were finally released, and you can listen to them.
1: I think I've heard a couple yeah. of those.
0: Uh, they even did a, a version of The Man and Me by Bob Dylan on those demos oh it's funny to hear The Clash playing that
1: I uh another thing about Phone Booth is that I recorded the whole thing on a uh, $100 Yamaha guitar with three three year old strings I was
0: uh, yeah I was gonna ask you what your guitar of, of, of choice was yeah
1: yeah uh, it just sounded dead and yeah. cool and, yeah. and different uh every one of my other records was recorded with my uh Gibson J-40, 66 Gibson J-45, yeah. except for one of them. And that album, that guitar sings. Yeah, But it wasn't the sound I wanted for Phone Booth. If I went into a studio to record today, I'd bring my J-45 and my $100, with brand new strings, my J-45, and my $100 Yamaha with dead strings. Those mm-hmm. are the two sounds I'm looking for now. Yeah, There's, there's a lot of character in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So for people who want to check out your music in general, it's it's uh, it's on all the things. But phone booth is you, you gotta look up Danny Schaefer on SoundCloud.
1: Phone booth and Elephant yeah. Cage are only yeah. only available on SoundCloud. And my uh, Elephant Cage is on my website also.
0: You could fit all of Phone Booth on like like a punk rock seven inch too. That'd be awesome. I was thinking that
1: it could be a forty five. Yeah, a little exactly. bit on each side, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I love the I love the length of yeah. the record. I'm yeah. so proud of that and it was an accident i mean i knew i was writing short songs but when i saw yeah. 11 minutes and 17 seconds
0: uh it's like a ramones album you know less than a ramones yeah, album yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah it's like uh yeah and i i think i hope that people find that that uh lovable in a, in an odd way yeah. i had friends call me when the rec- when the when it was released and say I listened to it twice because I couldn't believe it was over. Right, right. Yeah. I had to go back and check it out again. Right. I also had some people, uh, some audio engineers that own really nice studios say, I like this record. I think it sounds really good. And they didn't know it was recorded on my telephone. Yeah. And I didn't tell them. I just let it go and sat with the information. Yeah,
0: just like, hey, it does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> the thing
1: is, it doesn't sound like an uh, a perfectly produced record it doesn't it's not
0: i wouldn't call it a recording masterpiece but it sounds good yeah it doesn't sound like it's underwater it doesn't sound distorted i mean it sounds like like a nice true recording of a songwriter
1: it doesn't sound like it was recorded in my mom's house in my
0: bedroom in my underwear but there is a couple records i really like that sound that way yeah yeah yeah. So the show that we want to highlight is uh, at the Wheelhouse in Niwot on Sunday, October 1st. Mm -hmm. I have never been to the Wheelhouse, but I hear that it's bicycle-themed.
1: They have a bicycle shop in there, uh, which I don't know anything about. Uh, But that's been the place where I've been able to do uh, listening room shows. Mm -hmm. I seem to be able to get people to sit down and really listen to the music there so I've played probably eight shows there in the last three years two and a half years yeah. and they've all they've been uh, I've really enjoyed those shows hmm. so I'm looking forward to being back there I haven't been, been there in a year about a year now
0: have you played uh, at Berthed, Berthed Brewing
1: I've never played at Berthed Brewing but I think I saw you play there with Clay once
0: yes and and my parents showed up surprised me from Pittsburgh but they keep surprising you yeah yeah <laughs> and that, you them i'm sure yeah um and that place doesn't have a sound system and they don't even want you to set up a sound system so that night it was it was me and clay and i was on a drum set and he was on an acoustic guitar and maybe he plugged in to something you know that he brought, but the mm-hmm. place is just full of people listening. Like, and not the kind of thing where they're out at a bar or a restaurant and they're doing their thing. and There happens to be a band, and, you know. But like, they came. This is sounds like a like a funny thing to say. That's shocking, but you know, they came to this this little brewery just to see us play, mm-hmm. and and listen. Yeah, and I was like using my hands. Literally on the on the drums, and it's nice when you have a really attentive audience, you know. Yeah. Uh, I also feel if I do a show
1: like that every eight months here, close mm-hmm. by, uh, I can talk to the audience and yeah, have a have a new angle on what I want to say and what I want to bring to stage the yeah. stage. Uh, if I do them too often. It doesn't feel. I feel like I'm, haven't changed enough to mm. lay into something new.
0: Did you learn about a lot about banter from John Prine? <laughs> I learned a lot
1: about banter by being in front of rowdy freaking audiences. Yeah, yeah. Where I had to speak to them, right? And I had to hold them together, and live, being on stage a lot. Yeah, and listening to other people, John Prine and uh, Arlo Guthrie, uh, and and also my friends. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I've learned from uh, talking too much on stage and realizing that, or not talking enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's 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 an interesting thing to talk to an audience, and I want them to, I'd like them to uh, get to know me a little bit. And I want it to be personal. Yeah. But there's a limit to how much they want.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So knowing that limit and being able to gauge that pacing, uh, sometimes I just have to get lucky, or be patient.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's good for all of us to get lucky once in a while. (sighs) Yeah, Yeah. it is. As I I
1: feel that, I I feel that way these days. I feel that. Also, I feel like I need to kind of pick up and get moving again, and. Uh, I've played a lot this summer And it's been good for me And and that hasn't happened in a while It's been good for me to be behind behind the guitar And uh, feel the Get my set list together And really be active again Yeah, I feel more ready and able after this summer Nice Mm -hmm. I had to warm back
0: up Well it certainly is warm out there too I like the heat it's a fucking oven outside right now. I, 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 d- I tend to like the heat, but Man. not everybody does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, thank you, Adam. It's really yeah. nice to see you, and I really yeah. appreciate you yeah. having me. I'm really glad that I got to learn more about you. And um, I'm about to go and play a softball game in this heat, you know, so I hope I win and then I don't pass out on the mound. I hope Doubleheader. I Doubleheader, that's true. Yeah, I am playing a doubleheader tonight.
1: You know what Ernie Banks said? Well, let's play another. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I would play a triple header if I could. I just love fucking. I, I love fucking playing. Yeah. Baseball, softball, all that stuff. Love it. Baseball
1: is one of the greatest traditions. There's two reasons why I like baseball more than any other. Th- uh, there's two reasons why they stand out. One, there's no whistles. My yeah. dog doesn't like whistles. Yeah. He hates whistles. And two is uh, when you hit a home run, you still have to run the bases.
0: Not in our league. No. No, you don't have no. to run the bases to get a home run. Oh. No. Yeah. Oh, man. I think that's one of the greatest mm-hmm. things about baseball. You still, you still have, have to, to do the
1: ceremony. Yeah. It doesn't count
0: until you hit home base. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nowadays there are a lot of like walk off home runs. And so you still, the game is literally over. And you still have to run the bases, so these guys are like doing all their dance moves around the bases while their teammates wait for them at home plate. you know, so that's pretty cool.
1: I'm not up on yeah. uh yeah. current baseball, yeah, but it's it's one of the great American traditions, yeah,
0: so is Danny Schaefer. Danny Schaefer's a great American tradition, in my mind yeah. <laughs>
1: It's nice to hear, but we'll see about that, yeah. all right, man. Thank you so much. thank
0: for doing you. This. Adam. You know that I was run, Danny Schaefer and me talking about music, weird Boulder, Colorado music history, and even the Scorpions. Uh, look up Danny's music on SoundCloud or any of the streaming things and go see him play basically everywhere everywhere along the Front Range, including at the Wheelhouse in Niwat on Sunday, October 1st. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next Monday, right here, as usual.
1: by tomorrow.